0: I guess if there's one thing that recent years have taught us, it is that we, as human beings, are not as in control as we like to think we are. Thousands of miles away, a virus starts to spread, and suddenly lives are put in danger, our freedom is taken away, and our best-made plans are cancelled. In an ornate palace in Moscow, a deranged dictator decides to go to war with his neighbour. And very quickly, our country has a cost of living crisis. 2023, the hottest year ever on record. The devastating effects of climate change now undeniable. Even here on Isla, our sense of security is threatened. Just look at the flooding in Southside last week eight homes having to be evacuated. And of course, on top of all these world issues, there are those much closer to home as well. We suddenly receive a bad medical diagnosis. We're made redundant by an email out of the blue. Our car breaks down. None of these things do we have full control over. And that realization that we are not in control can of course be upsetting and destabilizing and as the anxiety lingers we start to tire and we can find ourselves heading towards despair the bible though has an answer to this it is brutally honest no as human beings we are definitely not in control but we are not to fear because god is That's not to say that God wills everything that happens to us. There is a reality to evil, a battle going on, but God is sovereign. And in the end, nothing can stop his purposes coming to be. The famous Baptist minister, Charles Spurgeon, knew well what it was to suffer. As a child, he lived in poverty As a young man, his ministry was attacked by the media. After a tragedy at one of his services, he suffered depression for the rest of his life. His final years were lived with the pain of gout and rheumatism and kidney disease. Yet this was the man that God used to lead thousands of people to faith. Towards the end of his life, Spurgeon wrote of how one of the greatest lessons he had learned was to trust the sovereignty of God in all things. And here is a quote which I learned at college, which I love. Spurgeon said this, When you go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which you lay your head. When you go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which you lay your head. And I believe that that is a message that we all need to hear today, me included. And our reading from Acts gives us four pieces of evidence to take confidence from. The first thing that we discover is that because God is sovereign... He has the ability to bring good things from bad situations. And this is found in verses 36 to 41 of chapter 15. There is no getting around it. These six verses detail a shameful episode in the history of the early church. They are preserved in scripture as a warning to us all. And they give us great evidence that Acts is a true account because no one comes out of this in a good light. After a little while away, Paul and Barnabas decided they need to go back to the churches they set up on their first missionary journey that we looked at last week. But just as they were about to set off, they had a severe falling out. It all related to John Mark. Paul didn't want to take him because he saw him as a liability. Back in chapter 13, Mark had deserted them and returned home. And by doing so, he'd avoided all that persecution that Paul and Barnabas had gone through in Galatia. As Paul had planned to return to these dangerous regions, he feared that Mark would just up and leave again. And when you're up against it, you want to know that your comrade will stand with you. Barnabas, however, the man known for being an encourager, disagreed. He wanted to give Mark a second chance. After all, Barnabas had done the same for Paul himself not that long ago, after his miraculous conversion on the Damascus Road. And as with all arguments, the worst falling outs take place when there is an element of truth on both sides. And here Paul and Barnabas have such an outburst of sharp words and shouting that they're forced to part company this is not good this is human frailty and sin in action and the only saving grace here is they don't completely burn their bridges because towards the end of his life we find paul reunited again with barnabas and mark But in this moment, this is about as bad and destructive as it gets. And yet, even this aberration cannot foil God's plans. For what do we read next? When they split, they gather new companions and head off in different directions to do the work of the Lord. In other words, rather than one new missionary journey beginning... Two new missionary journeys begin. And who knows how many more people got to hear the gospel because of this parting of the ways. Because our God is sovereign, he can bring really good things out of dreadful situations. And of course he did this most clearly of all when his son was murdered. What a terrible act of injustice the cross was, but through God's sovereignty, he used it to save the world. In February half term, in a few weeks, I'm helping to lead a holiday club in England. It's going to be an exact repeat of the beach club that we held here last summer. I'm returning the favour to my friends who came to Isla at very short notice to get us out of a difficult situation. The church that I'm going to has not had a holiday club before. It has no teenagers and very few children. Yet already over 40 young people have signed up. Most of them completely new to the church. It was not a good thing that the Scripture Union team didn't come last year. Not a good thing at all. But perhaps here is a sign that something new might be coming out of it. Perhaps a church a long way away from us is being given a new lease of life. God really does have the power to bring good out of bad situations. And he is still doing that today. The second thing that we discover in this passage is that because God is sovereign, he has the ability to raise up the right people at just the right time. This comes from verses 1 to 5 of chapter 16. After parting ways with Barnabas, Paul embarks on this difficult tour of Galatia. And it's going to be an exhausting trip of preaching the gospel and discipling new believers and encouraging churches and overcoming much opposition. This is a daunting task, even for the very talented Apostle Paul. And instinctively, Paul realizes that he is going to need a team around him to share the load. He already has the companionship of Silas, but he needs more than that. Most importantly, he needs someone with local knowledge of the areas that he's about to visit. Suddenly, on arrival at his first major town, young Timothy is raised to his attention. And on meeting him, Paul quickly realises that Timothy is perfect for the task. Timothy was born and raised in the region, so he knows the geography, he knows the customs. He's highly thought of by the locals, so he gains Paul some credibility. He's young, he's energetic, he's eager to learn. And perhaps best of all, he is sacrificial in his obedience to God. In these brief verses, we read that Timothy was prepared to get circumcised, even though he didn't need to, just to gain a listening ear from the Jews in the region. On arriving in Derby, desperate for help, almost immediately, Paul has found a key partner and friend, not just for this trip, but for the rest of his life. And straight away, we get to see the fruit of Timothy's companionship, In verse 5 we read of churches growing and people coming to faith. Now this provision of Timothy cannot have been a coincidence. The Lord knew what Paul needed and although the passage doesn't say it, Paul no doubt had been praying for assistance and here God provides it. And again this is a pattern found throughout the Bible. God raises up the right people at just the right time. Think of Moses, Joshua, Samuel, David. Think most of all of Jesus. God knows the people he needs for his purposes, and he calls them to service when he needs them. And again, I've experienced this in my life. I had a time when I was really unwell and struggling at Bromley. And at that time, he raised up for me a friend called James. James had also been through difficult days. And he later told me that my support kept him in ministry. I felt the exact same way about him. James also came with a wife, Lydia, who befriended Emily. And still today we keep in contact. James is my prayer partner and he regularly prays for this church. Because our God is sovereign, he can raise up the right people At just the right time. And when we pray, he sends the people we need. This is true for us as individuals, and it's true for us as a church, as a whole. The third thing this passage teaches us is that because God is sovereign, he can open and close doors. This is what we were focusing on with the children. And it's found in verses 6-10 to of chapter 16. With Timothy now on his team, Paul and his companions set off on tour. They begin by traveling to the southwest, probably towards the important city of Ephesus. But as they do this, God slams the door shut. The Holy Spirit steps in and prevents them from going that way. Now we don't know exactly how the Holy Spirit did that. It could have been by words of prophecy. It could have been a a real conviction of conscience. It could have been some practical blockage on the road. However it happened to Paul and his companions, it was obvious. So they thought to themselves, well, we came from the east. We can't go south. Well, let's go north. Bithynia, Amicia. But again, the Holy Spirit slams the door shut. They, They were not to go there either. Now, bearing in mind that this little team of three have now walked about 200 miles back and forth over about three weeks, and they've still got no idea where they're going. And this is a very new team. Timothy the youngster is probably thinking, what on earth have I let myself in for? Eventually they reach Troas, this dead-end seaport on the coast. on the arrival, their hearts must have sunk. They thought they were going on a great adventure. Now it looks like they're going to be going home before anything has really begun. They must have questioned what God is up to and whether they've heard right before. But then after all those doors had been closed, God opened the one that he wanted. In a vision, Paul sees this man from Macedonia calling him over to help. It must have been an extraordinary moment. After weeks of walking and waiting and wondering and praying, God has revealed his will. God wanted them to cross one of the great frontiers in the ancient world and enter Europe for the very first time. God had far more in store for them than they'd ever dreamed of. Still today, God opens and closes Doors. You ask any Christian who has prayed about a difficult situation or a big decision that has been in front of them and time and time again they will tell you that their circumstances changed. An opportunity arose. A way suddenly became clear when before it was hidden. God does this all the time. Emily and I were seriously considering going to a church in Northampton. we would had interviews there, but God closed the door and quickly opened this one on Isla. I also believe that God gave the vision and opened the door for us to do the Hope Explored course that we have enjoyed over the last few weeks. This really does happen. And so I encourage us all, when we face a big decision, when we're not sure where we're going in life, pray to God. Ask him to show the way. It can be painful and frustrating when some of those doors close. But how much better are the ones that eventually open? Finally, this passage shows us that because God is sovereign, he can go before us and prepare the ground. And this is from verses 11 to 15 of chapter 16. On arrival in Macedonia, Paul and his companions head straight for Philippi, the leading city of the region. Now it goes without saying That as they've never been in Europe before, they don't know anybody there. And consequently, they have nowhere comfortable to stay. Yet, they're about to discover that God has that sorted too. On the Sabbath, they look for a place to pray. There was no synagogue in the city, but they'd heard that some Jews worshipped God down by the river. And when they get to that location, they meet Lydia. Now, Lydia was a travelling clothes dealer. She was not a European. She was an Asian from Thyatira, the very region that Paul and his companions had been blocked by God from travelling to. And the irony of that shouldn't be lost on us. Paul and Lydia could have much more easily have met on the other side of the sea. Yet God had brought Lydia to Philippi with her work, and he brought Paul to the same location via a dream. And all of this meant that when Lydia did come to faith, Paul and his companions had someone they could stay with and who could explain the region to them. God had truly gone before them, preparing the ground. But what is interesting is that the same can be said for the process of Lydia coming to faith as well. It says in verse 14 that the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. That is a verse that gives us hope for all of our family and friends who do not yet believe. It appears that God has been seeking Lydia out, He has drawn her near. She's become interested in the preaching of the Jewish preachers. Their message has opened her heart. So when Paul speaks about Jesus, she welcomes him wholeheartedly. Now, none of that is to say that Lydia didn't have a choice in the matter. She made the choice to believe. She requested baptism. She opened up her home. All of that was a free response. But God had been at work in advance. God's sovereignty doesn't negate our freedom. It enables it. And this is true all over the world at the moment. God's Spirit is at work preparing the ground of human hearts. And Christians and churches like us, we have to follow what the Holy Spirit is already doing. We have to follow God's leading and go to those places. And hopefully, as we preach, God will enable his gospel to grow. And again, I think we've seen this on Isla. I've now been here for five years, and this church is very different to when I arrived. Just think of the junior church and the teen cafe and the men's breakfast and the baptisms and the new members and completely redecorated building. None of that is down to Emily and I. We cannot take any of the credit. All of this has come because God had prepared the ground. For years and years, he'd been at work sowing seeds, preparing the way amongst you and the families of Isla. God works ahead of us making his purposes come to be. There's so much more that could be said about this passage, but I think we've made the point. We are not left alone in this world. The sovereign God is with us at all times and is even going before us. So alongside the Apostle Paul, we worship the God who can bring good out of bad situations. We worship the God who can raise up the right people at just the right time. We worship the God who can open doors and close them. And we worship the God who prepares the ground for the future. No wonder Spurgeon said, when you go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which you lay your head. I hope this passage will give us some confidence for the weeks and months ahead. There's so much in the world that frightens us. We are definitely not in control of it, but we know who is. God is always at work and will bring his purposes about eventually. It is guaranteed. Paul became an effective missionary because he allowed himself to be led by the sovereign God. When God guided and spoke, he followed. We need to try and do The same.